0: Time to cook. Barbecue, baby. The OBS team really cooks. OBS? OBS girls got the hooks. Judges dropping all the knives. Time to get it, baby. Nothing but knives today. Master Luke spit in the rhymes. OBS? OBS. (laughs) Hey there, everybody. And welcome to another... Episode of the Pitmaster Podcast by Old Virginia Smoke. My name is Luke Darnell, Pitmaster of Old Virginia Smoke, and welcome to 2022. Uh, we've taken some time off here to uh, recharge the batteries and get some things in place for 2022, and we're going to start this year with a new concept. Uh, this isn't going to happen all the time either because i'm sure people don't want to (laughs) hear my thoughts on everything all the time but one of the things that i did before the holiday season was i put out a request for questions that i could answer and let people uh, ask me questions about what's going on and and so i'm going to attempt to answer those i have the list here Some of these will be short answers, some of them will be funny answers, and some of them will be long answers. But I think that uh, maybe I can provide some perspective on some things that uh, some people wanted. So we'll start first with a funny question from Robert Burnett. When will the next rap single drop? (laughs) These, These projects, musical projects, are a lot of fun. I work with my friend Davin out of West Virginia, Davin Seaman, and he's a uh, fantastic musical genius. He comes out with a lot of great content. He does a lot of work for a lot of companies, and we were playing around one day and came up with the first Old Virginia Smoke song. It was based off of uh, Silk Sonic, and so then we moved forward. and I wanted to come up with a more of a hip hop beat because that's the kind of music that we like. So that's the uh, how the the rap song started yes there is a new track coming and it'll be all about our barbecue sauce the rusted mustang it's going to be more of a slow jam and i think you'll enjoy it we'll see when we get that out i'm not sure when that'll happen there's a lot of things moving and a lot of moving parts with getting Davin and getting in the recording studio but it's a lot of fun so thanks for that question robert Next up, uh, from Travis Duffy with Last Call Heroes, American Royal Champ. When is Old Virginia Smoke going to start doing TikTok videos? Funny, you should ask that question, Travis. I have recently set up our TikTok account, and I'm working on content for that as we speak. It's hard for me because I'm not very good at, at stuff like that, but... I think it's a valuable tool in getting some messages out about barbecue in general and competition barbecue. And also it can be a lot of fun. So if you want to give us a follow on TikTok, you can find us at old Virginia smoke, no spaces and give us a follow. It's going to be a lot of fun and there'll be a lot of dancing on there, but there'll also be a lot of cooking content as well. All right. Next question from Henry Jones with off the rack. What's up, Henry? Most important aspect to hit on a cook. This is a great question in that I think it's evident to all people who compete that the most important aspect to hit is tenderness. We're all using rubs and sauces, which are all very similar. If you really think about it and think about... How flavors have been tried to be, how people try to replicate flavors from different sauces and different rubs and things. So the flavor profiles, which is a term that I absolutely hate, it's just something that you've heard on television a thousand times. My flavor profile is well, sweet with a little bit of heat. Yeah, we get it. We get your flavor profile. It's what we're all trying to do. So at the end of the day, flavor profile is secondary to me. I think that, you know, because we're all consistent in flavors, so it's getting the tenderness right. Getting the tenderness right and making sure that each piece of meat is juicy, has a great mouthfeel, and and it's a pleasing bite of barbecue. That's not to not to, you know, denigrate taste. Of course that's important, and you don't want to put things in there that are controversial or that will offend certain people because you need those points as well. But I think it's important to bring that up and that the other thing that I think is just, just as important as the other two is appearance. You know, those are, that's something you can control. A lot of people teach in their classes that, or teach people that are just starting out that appearance, you know, it, it has the smallest, uh, amount of points that you can get but they're free points that's something you can control if you give yourself enough time you can put food in the box that looks pretty it may taste terrible but it at least looks good those are free points that's something you control you can turn it in a very neat box you can make sure that there's not sauce all over the place that's something that you can control so Tenderness by far is number one. You have to get that right. That's what you have to practice. Whether you practice anything else, making sure your tenderness is right is the number one thing. Next question from Kevin Turner with T-Squared Barbecue out of Lebanon, Illinois. What is the best way to approach potential sponsors? I'm fairly new to the contest world, so I don't have a the winning track record yet. But, with the cost lately, every little bit helps from a bottle of rub to a bag of charcoal. Any sponsorship advice would be appreciated. This is a really tough and involved question. Sponsorship, especially in the competition barbecue world, is a very, very difficult and complicated game. You basically have to show people that you want to work with the value that you can give them before even approaching them about sponsorship. If you if you have products that you love and that you really want to use in competition barbecue, tag them. Do posts about their products. Show them how dedicated you are to their brand and how much you believe in their brand. And when you then approach them, they'll have a basis for you know, what, what you can provide them. Also, it's, it sounds great that, you know, oh, I, I got a charcoal sponsor and then you, but you reached out to somebody and you've never used that charcoal before. And then you start using that charcoal and you're not getting calls and you're not having success. That's a problem because now you're locked into supporting that brand, but that brand isn't, going to help you be successful and you're not going to be successful for that brand, especially if you start using a different charcoal and then you're saying that you use this other charcoal. There's so many teams out there that do that stuff where they say that they're partners with another, uh, with a brand and then they're not actually using that brand. So it is a tough road. And the number one thing, piece of advice that I can give you is find products that you love and that you generally believe in try and work to be an ambassador for that brand before even approaching the company and provide and show them the value that you can provide. There's nothing worse than having to contact a sponsor and say, Hey, I know we had an agreement, but I'm not using your product anymore. Um, I had the unfortunate situation of having that happen to me one time and It was a terrible situation and I felt terrible about it because I feel like as a team, Old Virginia Smoke tries to be as forthright and as transparent and as good a citizen barbecue as we can be. So doing that really upset me um, and upset our team. Luckily, the sponsor was very gracious about it and understood However, I vowed from that point on never to put ourselves in that situation again. So, with sponsorship, approach it with a lot of caution, but also approach it with a lot of zeal. You know, there are a lot of great brands out there that support barbecue, and I rarely get an opportunity to talk about this, and sponsorship, I think, is a poor term, actually. You when you enter into these agreements with these companies, you're really becoming a partner of theirs. So we like to list them as our partners. And by helping them, helping us get through the competition season and through doing other things, you know, building our brand and building their brand, it really is a partnership. They're helping us get likes and follows. We're helping them get likes and follows. They're getting sales from our product. We're getting product. To help us be successful in the competition barbecue world. So partners, I think are, they're key, they're important, but it has to be a mutual relationship, if that makes sense. And I'll give a shout out to our partners at the end of this. Uh, We couldn't do it without them, that's for sure. And we love them and we appreciate them and we work really hard to make sure that that we're providing them value as they are providing us value as well. So thanks for that that question, Kevin. Here's a question from Steve Dotson. Steve Dotson asks, what's the best way to get better if you don't have the ability to cook 30 comps in a year? 30 comps meaning 30 competitions. That's a great question, Steve, because I often teach in my classes that the the number one way to get better at competition barbecue is to go cook four weekends in a row, four contests in a row. You really can learn about yourself. You learn about your cook. You learn about your cooker. You learn about your timeline. You learn about those around you and your teammates. All of those things are super important. And the only way to really get an idea of where you stand with all of that is to do it four weeks in a row and getting that feedback from the judges and figuring out where even the smallest tweaks in your program can really make a change in the scores that you're getting if you can't cook 30 contests in a year and i don't think you need to i would actually i would recommend that you batch your contest you know if you can find contests where you can can do 2 or 3 in a row, 3 or 4 in a row and do like that then take a few weeks off and then hit 3 or 4 in a row again that's how you're going to maintain some consistency. Also, the other thing that you can do is that you have to stay in the contest mindset when you're in competition season. And that's that's that can be hard to do because we all get tired of cooking in our driveway and not getting feedback. But I do it regularly, not as often as I used to. Um, when we were first getting started, we did a competition meet every weekend, at least one. Most of the time, two or three. For about eight straight weeks, cooking chicken, cooking ribs, cooking you know, pork, briskets, cooking so many prime briskets, because who can spend the money to get Wagyu briskets and practice all the time? I've got news for you. If you can't make that prime brisket sing, then you shouldn't be spending money on a Wagyu yet. You need to practice and practice and practice and practice and get it right so that you know what's going to happen when you cook that meat. You know all of the things that can go wrong. There's a lot of podcasts and things that I listen to uh, that are outside of the barbecue world that talk about the 80-20 principle and and things like that and uh and also repetition. You know, the best way to get great at something is to do it ten thousand times. I don't know that I've cooked ten thousand briskets, but I know that I've cooked a lot, and that is the way to get better. You just have to stay in it. One of the things that also that I've done to stay in the competition mindset is that I get up every day at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, i know that sounds terrible to a lot of you but that's what i get up at 450 at a contest i get up at 450 i light my pit then i start about my morning business you know going to the bathroom making breakfast brushing my teeth getting dressed all that stuff but the first thing that i do is i get up and i light the pit that's how i start my day at a contest so that's how i start my day every day every day i get up at five o'clock saturday sunday five o'clock i may go back to bed i may go down on the couch and play xbox i may do something but i'm up at five because that's what time i get up at a contest i don't want it to be any different for me when i'm at a contest if that makes sense so those are some things that you can do it's a lot of repetition it's a lot of practice Consuming podcasts, uh, consuming content on the Barbecue League, stuff like that that keeps your mind in the competition game, that's the way that you can get better, I think, in my opinion. Alrighty, so we'll switch gears here a little bit, and we'll get into a question from Kathy Trainer. What can be done to get more kids involved in barbecue beyond Kids' queue? This is a great question. Uh, one of the best and most rewarding things that you can do is go watch the awards at the American Royal for Kids' Q. They bring all the kids on stage, and it is really a big deal. If you've ever seen it, it is, I think, one of the coolest things that happens in barbecue. All the kids go up. They announce the winners. And it's really, I think it ingrains not only a love of barbecue, but a love of cooking. I think where we can do better is not only by having more kids' cues, but having kids those of those of you that have kids, I don't have any so uh, but we've had uh, kids cook with us before and it's it's fun and we have them do things that you know everything's critical, of course, and you show them how to do it and it's a lot of fun and you make them. The number one key to getting kids to be involved with barbecue and cooking is to give them an active role and to let them do things and let them feel important, whether it's taking the box or building the boxes, or it could be, you know, helping to season the meat if you show them the right way. There's a lot of things that that we can do to get kids more involved. I think about some of the teams out there that, that have kids that, that go out and they're involved. It's a lot of fun. Uh, seeing them out there. Uh, I'll highlight a couple. And, you know, Smoking Scully always has his kid out there. He's a great guy, uh, a lot of fun, and he seems to enjoy the cooking. Jerry Stevenson likes to take his daughters uh, out to his contest with Redneck Scientific. And a new friend of mine, uh, a re- recent friend of mine, uh, David Moore, his daughter is, she's more into it than he is. And she takes... Hella good notes, and she's fantastic with with her attention to detail and how she does things. Um, so, Grace is amazing, and I can't wait to see what happens with them coming up. It, getting the kids involved at that age, but getting them involved at the pro level, I think is super important. Uh, it gives them a feeling of belonging, gives them something to strive for. And it's just a lot of fun to have them around. So those of you that have kids, get them out there and get involved. You know, not to wax philosophical anymore about that, but you know, back when we got started 10 years ago, we were cooking a contest called Coffee Q, which was a non-sanctioned contest. There was 13 categories, and one of the categories was a kid's queue. And because Kim and I don't have any kids, we took our neighbor, Jacob, and Jacob came, he was in second grade, and he came and he cooked ribs, and he did, I mean, I did the knife and firework, and he did the seasoning, and he picked what, I had all the rubs and sauces out, he picked what he wanted to use, and he finished second, and it's still one of my favorite memories of competition barbecue, you know, we, we walked up to the ...to the stage together and I picked him up and was throwing him around and the organizer was like, wow, you're such a proud papa. I was like, he's not mine. (laughs) It kind of freaked everybody out. But to this day, Jake and I have been bonded by that. Jake now works for me when he's in town. He works on the food truck. We cook together all the time. We make pizza. We make shrimp and grits. We broke out a fryer and fried some chicken and then we fried Twinkies and Jake and I... We've become really great friends as he's gotten into the college age and he's a lot of fun. But that's that's the kind of great stuff that we can really do to get kids, not involved in just barbecue. I mean, barbecue and competition barbecue, yeah, that's great. And it's fine and it's been great for all of us. However, getting them involved in cooking, I think, is just key. The, the, the cooking is becoming a lost art. You watch these TVs on television about these ovens, smart ovens. Now that you put a bunch of stuff in, it's like watching the fifth element where you press a button, you're chicken. God, I mean, come on, let's, let's teach people how to cook. Let's teach people how to use ingredients. Competition barbecue is great, but you know, there's so many great stories out there. Gavin with porky butts. You know, I was there in Chicago when he did, backyard a backyard competition and he won it as a teenager and we were there and he cooked everything himself and that was so much fun to watch and and to have his food and it was you know we we were basically begging blaine to let him cook blaine's chicken on day two because it was so good and blaine was like he's using shit in that trailer that we would never even heard of so yeah getting kids involved in cooking i think is paramount it's huge so that great question kathy so next up question from my friend david dick this is a dizzy <laughs> what is a question that you would like to ask judges what feet this question comes from david dick what is a question that you would like to ask judges what feedback is most valuable as a cook from a comment card? Wow, this is a loaded question. Question that I would most like to ask judges. I I don't know what it would be. I don't know if it would be related to judging. Barbecue. Uh, I'm friends with a lot of judges. And great friends with a lot of judges Vacationed with a lot of judges had judges to my house many times to come and try our food so we have asked them these questions how do i make this a nine is the number one question that i would ask them if you didn't give it a nine why what makes it a nine what's your definition of a nine is another important thing i i think that's the only question that should I and I don't I understand the comment cards have to be what they are. I would like to see that question on there. If it's not a nine, what would make it a nine? That's what we're all striving for. We want to get nines, and nines aren't perfect. Nines great. Nines exceptional. It's not perfect. So how do we get our food from an eight? You know we struggle with rib tenderness a lot. How do i get those eights to nines what are you looking for what specific are you looking for don't just say too dry you know help me help us help you get some better food it's great to to get feedback from judges and to hear what's going on in the tent and to kind of get a feel of what's 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 happening i think it's also important for teams to judge a lot um but i think that feedback of what would make this a 9 would be great. One thing that i would like to see change in in the judging protocols of KCBS is that we currently operate on a 12 1231 130 protocol. And i'd really like to see that extended not to an hour between categories, but 45 minutes between categories would be fantastic. I think that judges should be required to fill out a comment card for every entry. And I can already hear the moans and groans. We've already heard enough complaining about you have to take a watch a video and take a test, which, sorry guys, that's not a big ask, it's something you can do. But I think getting that comment card from every entry and seeing what judges really think about your food, other than just a random seven, eight or a nine or a six or a four or whatever. I think that that's super important. And I think that that would make the overall brand of barbecue better. It would make everything less rushed. I think you'd see less, less missed turn-ins. I think an hour's too long. We've done some contests where an hour, it's been an hour between turn-ins, but I really, really think that if you had 45 minutes, your product's going to be better. The feedback from the judges are going to be better. And look, we can we can get past this taking four hours to get awards ready. There's systems that can be put in place to make this a little bit better, a little bit faster. So that being said, 45 minutes between turn-ins, more time for the cooks, more time for the judges. I really just think that that would be helpful for all involved. Great question, David. Thank you. Here's a question from... The cookout coach. What contest do you think has the best barbecue trophies? Or perhaps what do you think of the current state of competition barbecue trophies? Wow. Um, best trophies. That would have to go to, I mean, obviously the American Royal uh, the Big Square Trophies, we got our first one this year, and it is probably my most cherished trophy. Other trophy, other events that have great trophies, uh, 17th Street Barbecue does their contest in the fall in Illinois, and they have the apples, and it's fantastic. Those apples were the reason that I went out there and cooked that contest, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina has the Flame Trophy. Those are fantastic. Any kind of trophy that is unique, that's different, that's not a bowling trophy, that maybe is made by a local artist wherever the contest is being held or something local to that area, those are the trophies that are the most meaningful. There's a contest in Galax, Virginia that happens every summer, and the winner... The winners of the categories get a fiddle. The winner of the overall contest gets a banjo. RGC gets a a guitar. These trophies were, when we found out about this, man, it excited me to the point that I had to go cook Galax. Galax is uh, not my favorite place in the world. I don't like it there. There's not a lot to do there. But I really, really wanted that fiddle. So I can remember back in 2017... That I told Kim, I was like, well, we're going back to Galax. And she was like, man, really? And I'm like, we have got to get a fiddle. So we're sitting there at awards. It's a giant award. It's super late. And they announced Old Virginia Smoke for first place chicken. And the first thing I did was look at Kim and I said, we've never have to come back here again. We finally got the fiddle. And uh, it's, it's, it's probably on our bar. It's one of our favorite trophies. But... My point is, is that cool trophies and trophies that are local to a place or that have been around, those are the best trophies. I think a lot of contests are really mailing it in right now and not spending any money and not focusing on having cool trophies. There was one contest last year that told us basically the awards that there weren't any trophies and there was another contest in this area last year that basically had cardboard cutouts and a string and that was their medal it's really difficult guys when you spend this much money to go out there and cook and you spend the entry fees the trophy is what matters more than anything to be honest i mean the money's great and i know people are going to kill me for that I, I want a cool trophy. It's funny how you you transition in life. You know, you're a kid and you want a cool trophy because when you played sports and then you become a teenager and you want money because things cost money and then you become a successful adult and then the money's great and everything, but having a really cool trophy that you can put in your house or something that you just don't go bury somewhere because or even I know teams that just toss things because... They don't mean anything and there's no value to it. So, try harder. Let's all try harder to make barbecue trophies better. And if you have great trophies, you're going to get more teams. I know that sounds stupid. But it really, really can help. You know, another good contest, Harpoon in Vermont. They have the tap handles that say Harpoon uh, Brewing on it. Those are special. We absolutely love those. And... Yeah, we, we were very fortunate to have a couple of them, and it's very cool. And those things, they'll be with us forever. And we always have great memories associated with great trophies. So let's figure it out, and let's get it done. Let's make it better. Next question from Jamie Trader. What do you feel is the biggest difference between getting an 8 and a 9 in the judging criteria? we just spend a lot of time talking about judges and i think that's the biggest difference between an 8 and a 9 i really think there aren't any big differences between an 8 and a 9 i think it's something small whether it's a splotch of sauce or the judge got a piece of pepper in their taste or the skin tugged a little bit on chicken i don't think it's a big a big jump from 8 to 9 If you asked me now, maybe judges think differently, but I don't, I don't think that it's different. They're that much different. Next up, um, golden blue barbecue, Travis, people's choice pork. We all have our own feelings when it comes to these. What are your thoughts on them? And how would you run one of these types of comps for fairness and simplicity? Great question. One of the things that we struggle with in competition barbecue is getting people engaged that are not part of the competition. And most people go to a barbecue competition. They feel like they're going to get a chance to try the food and then they don't. One of the things that I've been recommending to organizers who want to do a people's choice pork is to make it as simple as you can for the teams and make it easy for us to participate. If you're going to require Teams to cook two additional pork butts or four additional pork butts and have all of that ready at 11 a.m. on Saturday, that's not going to work. You're not going to get participation because teams are going to be very set in number one, their timelines. Number two, they're going to be very set in where meat goes on their cooker and space on their cooker. With the cookers that I take to a contest, I can't cook two more pork butts or four more pork butts. I can't do that. Now you're forcing me to bring another cooker and then you're you're forcing me to pay attention to that when I should be paying attention to the things that in the competition barbecue world, they matter, you know, getting my chicken off and getting it wrapped and stuff like that. And then having most of the time, 99% of the time we're going to say no to that. Now I think that there's a way that that can be addressed. If you wanted all of my additional pork, or all my additional pork and ribs, at 2 o'clock, but you wanted just the stuff that I did not turn in, I would give that to you every contest. I will give it to you at 2 o'clock, I will make sure it's good, I will make sure it's warm, and then people can try that. And I don't know too many teams that wouldn't do that. And if there's teams out there that aren't really in it for the for the contest and they really want to focus on winning the people's choice because it helps their local business or because they're local to the contest, then great. That's not going to upset me if a team decides that they're going to win people's choice so they're going to cook six pork butts just for people's choice. If I don't have to worry about them in the competition because they're doing that, that's fine. That's their prerogative, not mine. But if you just make it easy for me to participate or make it easy for teams to participate in People's Choice, I just ask for my leftovers and I'll give them to you every single time. I think that's the way we can fix People's Choice. Now, I know there's a lot of restrictions around health departments and sampling and things like that. I think we can all work towards figuring all that out, but I think that's the way to do it. Next question from Mark Mastel fire at the end of the day, uh, Mark and Christine have become really good friends of ours. And I just want to give them a shout out, uh, Faded Barbecue. They are fantastic cooks, even better people. And I really, really, uh, just want to let them know how much I, I embrace our friendship. Mark (laughs) loaded question, buddy. What is your favorite non barbecue dish to cook? That changes so much. I read a lot of books about cooking, about chefs, and about different cuisines from around the world. And I go through phases of things that I really like to do. I go through an Italian phase where we'll have pasta all the time. I'll go through, you know, a Mexican phase and we'll make tacos. I'll go through. And as I've been overriding recently, I read a lot of French cookbooks, so I'll, I'll cook a lot of French dishes. Uh, recently, I've gotten into the paella and using our monolith grill and our paella pan and making paella outside over an open fire. I just get into these these things, and, and that's what I like to do and how I like to cook. And, and I like to make different things. Uh, but if I had to pick a favorite non-barbecue dish to cook... It, it would probably be paella at this point, uh, making the Spanish rice dish. We always make it with seafood rather than chicken just cause Kim and I are both big seafood lovers. And that would probably be my favorite non-barbecue dish to cook at this time. All right. So I have another question. Final question from golden blue barbecue. Uh, another one from Travis. Drums are all the rage right now, and for good reason. But I've also seen an uptick in smaller model offsets such as Outlaws and Jambo Patios. Do you see drums continue to grow in popularity, or are they just a trend? If a trend, are the offsets making a comeback? I don't think that drums are a trend anymore. Because I think that drums are a staple. Drums aren't going anywhere. Drums, uh, particularly the Gateway Drum Smokers, have really leveled the playing field. The Barbecue League has leveled the playing field. I have three drums myself. I love cooking on them. They are fantastic tools. They offer a relatively low entry point into the competition barbecue world for a lot of people. And there's a lot of content out there to help you jump right in and get going on a drum. I don't think they're going anywhere. If anything, they're going to continue to stay popular and probably increase in popularity. Now, that being said, in your question, you ask if offsets are making a comeback. I don't think offsets have ever gone anywhere either. If you look at teams that have won the American Royal and the Jack, you know, it's hard to find ones where it's not a jambo or an offset. And those those flavors and that and the way that the food comes off of those pits, it's just something to it. And being someone that switched from, you know, water cookers and cabinet cookers that went to an offset, it's it's that reason. You know, most of the majors have been one on on offsets and jambos and or jambo drum combination and and I wanted to put myself in that situation to where I can, I can compete for that stuff. And I think that switching to the jam switching to a stick burner was one of the best decisions that we ever made in that regard. Now, that being said, i also, everyone knows I cook my chicken on a drum. I don't think that you can replicate that drum flavor anywhere else, especially on such a short cook. Uh, so to answer your question, I don't think either pit is going anywhere. I think you're going to just see more and more of them and less and less of other pits just because of ease of use, easy entry into the, into the competition world. I think that's it. Um, But I just want to thank you guys for your questions. I hope this was fun and entertaining. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, when we were talking about partners, I'm going to mention ours. We have a lot of great partners. Snake River Farms, Prairie Fresh, Gunter Wilhelm Knives, Barbecue Data, Blue's Hog. uh, Wow, Blue's Hog. Charcoal, Sauce, Rub. We use all of that stuff. Big Papa Smokers. We've been very fortunate to, to be a part of their Cooking for Kids program. And all of those partners for us represent great friendships and represent great brands and things that we, we use religiously. You know, there are other people who we consider partners who we, you know, don't officially have a relationship with, but we use their products and we support their products because they're amazing. Uh, Yeti, you know, is one of those. They're fantastic. Barbecue guru. We've been a supporter of theirs forever. And things like that. It's, it's those kind of companies. That really drive. What we do. And they really drive a lot of what. Competition barbecue is. It's you know. It's one of those things. Again partners. They're not sponsors. They're partners. There's people that you work with. And people that help you get to your goals. In competition barbecue. So. To all of those partners that I just mentioned. And I I really think that it's a lot of fun. And thank you for your support of Old Virginia Smoke. And we look forward to working with you in 2022. In terms of the podcast, guys, thank you so much for listening. We have a lot of fun stuff uh, ready to go for 2022. We're going to be doing a lot of different things. And we look forward to seeing you out there. And if there's any questions that I missed or God forbid, if I missed any partners, I hope I didn't. Um, You know, we're going to continue this, this journey. This is the 10th year of Old Virginia Smoke, and we have a lot of fun things planned. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have another episode for you next week. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, and Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Zdenka. Pitmaster, and Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke LLC.